As far back as educated men have recorded their history, veils have been lowered to disclose a vast new reality, rents in the fabric of man's awareness. And somewhere in the endless search of the curious mind lies the next vision, the next key to his infinite capacity. I guess so. All right. This is our first show together. Oh, God. I don't know how long it's been since me and you. It's have been, been a month. Episode. It's been a month. It's been a month mm-hmm. since we've done an episode together. Yeah. Because we've just been so busy and our schedule's been hectic. You've been doing dance dad stuff. I've had a million things going on behind the scenes here, <clears> including <throat> <laughs> I was diagnosed with non-24 sleep something or whatever. We'll go into that at the end of the episode. It's really bizarre. Like it was, I, I was basically becoming... Like bipolar because my brain wasn't shutting off properly for sleep or something. I'll go into that later. But anyhow, so yeah, it, um, we're we're trudging along towards episode three hundred. Uh, the guest for three hundred has already confirmed multiple times, and uh, what we got three episodes to go. Um, but we'll go into all that afterwards because I've got some funny stuff in regards to that. Uh, so this week we have Winston Conrad returning to the show. Now this is the first time you have ever been on with Winston Conrad. Every time you've come on, the, he's been on the show. You haven't been available, or schedules haven't worked out. Or so, bastard. Um, yeah, well, he's actually really interested in talking to you. He's really That'll big change. Years. But we're going to have him talk about the Green Man and the May Day Festival. And we've actually planned this a few months ago, and I almost forgot about it. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it's May. We need to talk about May Day. And I've always wanted to do some kind of show in regards to May Day and these two things combined. And Winston, um, if you're not familiar with him, he's kind of this world-traveling guy. He's been all over the place. He's an attorney, and he's covered a bunch of really strange, like, paranormal-oriented cases. Um, were you on the show when we talked about witch doctors and witch doctor mm-hmm. magic and stuff? Okay, yeah, yep. so you have been on the show with him before. Mm-hmm. And he's just this really intelligent, well-versed, well-spoken guy that's really into all this this really crazy stuff. <clears throat> so every once in a while, I like to poke him and pick his brain and say, hey, why don't you come on here and let's, let's talk about this, or do you know anything about that? And usually he does. So we're going to jump into this. I'm not real sure how long this show is going to be because we're literally jumping into this dry. Like me and you, me and you really haven't, me and you haven't even talked for a month. So, like, and I just kind of threw this at you and said, "All right, here we go." You know, here's the show know notes. A thing or two about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very glad that you do because you probably know a little bit more about it than I do. So, I'll kind of be a passenger here more. So we're just going to jump right into <clears throat> all this and see where it takes us. So uh, let's jump in with him, and then we'll talk to you guys at the other side about a whole bunch of other wacky, goofy, crazy shit that's going on. So, <laughs> Bye. So, returning is our friend Winston Conrad. Now, I described you in the opening of the show as a world-traveling attorney that's been 
through happenstance and through life and synchronicities involved in a bunch of very strange and peculiar situations and court cases and things like that. You're kind of like this legal Indiana Jones, I guess, for a lack of a better term, maybe. I'm not really sure because every time we talk to you, you're at some new part of the world doing something different. You're, you know, you're just kind of like this, like wandering king kung fu guy. <laughs> that, that's maybe the most flattering, <laughs> the most flattering description I've heard uh, of myself. That's that's great. I love it. So, what, um, like, what, how would you describe yourself for people who haven't heard you before? Which you do have a fan base, by the way. I think I've been finding out. You, but as soon as I mention you're coming on the show, people are like, oh, I love that guy. So. <laughs> Oh, let's see. That's 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 amazing. Yeah, I'm. I mean, uh, uh, I, I like to make myself difficult to describe. I am. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I'm shapes um, and sizes. And <laughs> go ahead. I'm a former Peace Corps volunteer. Uh, I'm a journalist. Uh, I work for Thompson Reuters, which is a quite large uh, news agency, and I, I manage um, a lot of material having to do with the legal world. I, I have a weekly podcast that I do about sort of weird. Um, uh, legal items that, that arise. It's it's maybe a little bit dry for it's a good for show. It's oh, a good show. It. Thank you, thank you very much. It, it it's hopefully a little bit educational, but also um, entertaining because there's a lot of there is so much weird stuff that happens in the law. But uh, I'm also somebody who's had a lifelong interest in magic and mysticism. Um, uh, was a, a Peace Corps volunteer in West Africa where I sought out magicians. I, I did uh, some study abroad in Oxfordshire, England, uh, where I deliberately sought out sort of folk and, and pagan rituals that, that still go on today. And, uh, and I'm a, I guess I'm a, a comic book writer and artist as well. Uh, so hopefully, uh, as I say, difficult to describe. Yeah, you get around. You've got quite the unusual resume, which is um, it's why I like having you on here because you've always got something interesting to say, and you've experienced and saw a lot of these things that we talk about. But um, we got it was a couple of months ago, I think, and it was through our mutual friend Patrick over at Almost Educational. Um, we were talking on Twitter, I believe, about uh, the Green Man and, and things like that, and he said, "Well, yeah, I've been to a May Day celebration. I know about May Day, and I know about the Green Man." And I said, well, uh, or it was you or Patrick or somebody said, well, why don't you guys get together and do something in May in reference to May Day and the Green Man? I said, that's a great idea. And then I completely forgot about it up until <laughs> last week when I was like, God, we've actually got to record a show here coming up. What am I going? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'll bug Winston and we'll see what happens. And you were like, yeah, sure, let's do this. And then you, as always, you come to the show far more prepared than we are and sent notes and things with words and stuff that, <laughs> you know, and – uh that's pretty much all expect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess let's start with you have been to a May Day celebration. Um, I guess let's start with what May Day is because um, it's it's all kinds of things. It was originally a pagan festival and then it, the Catholic Church kind of, as as Christianity tends to do, enveloped it and brought it into its religion to kind of um, devour it and, you know, propagate people. Steal it? Yeah. Destroy we'll, it? Yeah, we'll say that. Sure. Um and it still goes on now, but now it's something else. So, I guess how when what is May Day and when did it start? Yes, yeah, so uh, May Day when when we talk about May Day in, in contemporary times, there's a sort of resurgent pagan understanding of May Day, and we can that's often called Green Root May Day. 
Uh, and then there's the May Day associations with uh, social uprising, which are referred to as Red Root mm-hmm. uh, May Day. Um, and I think that the two are actually quite connected. And if we take a close look at the history of May Day, we, we can start to see how those two things sort of track along one another. But I think uh, most most historians are going to draw an immediate connection between May Day and uh, Beltane. Uh, the Celtic holiday of the spring. Um, you know, in, in many ways, you talk about the, the Christian com- commodification or, or usurpation of uh, pagan holidays. And so Easter is, in, in many ways, a, a co-option of these sort of spring spring rite, fertility rite um, festivals, which all, almost always have uh, imagery that involves greenness, um Flowers are very common. Um, yes, it's about the rebirth of the world, and there's a very simple uh, sort of physiological reason for that. We, we have right around this time, just uh, past the point at which the 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 days start to become longer than the nights after a long period of darkness uh, holding sway, and so uh, in in many early pagan uh, celebrations the the sun which has died um, back in fall uh, is now coming back to life and so Beltane celebrations very often involve bonfires um, and there are there are some historical records that discuss uh, Irish and and other Celtic uh, uh, peoples uh, having these huge bonfires on hillsides and they, they would parade their um, cattle between the bonfires and there's talks of people leaping over the fires and rubbing ashes on themselves and those sorts of things. And, um, you know, there's a lot of debate about to what extent human sacrifice was part of these celebrations. Um, obviously fire and ash, it definitely has a sort of apocalyptic destructive feeling to it. But, um, it's hard, it's hard to parse out sort of a later Christian slander of, of the Celtic people and their pagan practices and what actually happened. That said, um, they periodically find bog men and things like that out, out in the, out in the marshes in Let's Germanic. Uh huh. Yeah. And, and it, so, so it seems almost certain that there was some degree of human sacrifice involved. This reeks of, of the fall fest, you know, the, uh, Hollow mass. Yeah, these 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 they they seem to mirror one another. Whereas, like in the fall, it was, one's the death and one's the birth. That's why. Yeah. So they do they do they tend to coincide with the solstices at all? They they absolutely mm-hmm. do. They, they're they're sort of twin uh, religious events, um, and they you know the associations are are one to one. The wearing of masks is common to both. You know we. <laughs> We now think of masks as a Halloween thing, um, but May Day celebrations also very often involve costumes. You know, the most the most common costume that you see in contemporary May Day celebrations is the sort of Jack in the Green, which is a man mm-hmm. dressed in in leaves, um, which is very reminiscent of the Green Man. Now, whether or not they're the same tradition is something that is is debated. There was there was a consensus on it. In the early part of the 1900s, but 
by the late 1970s and now that's been pretty significantly undermined whether the critics are right or not that's that's still up for debate though but as far as the relation between the two uh holidays that like in a in a in an irish context there was a god named uh crom crom croch and am i bad for going right to conan when you said that I'm sorry. <laughs> not not at all, you know, because uh, Robert E. Howard was very um, proud of his Irish heritage, and Conan is a Sumerian, right? And uh, Simri is uh, another god figure of the Irish, uh, and so Conan the Barbarian. If uh, I've been playing a Conan video game very <laughs> way too much recently, is there I've such a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, there is, there is, and it's and it's it's pretty good. It, um, actually, it's a terrible video game, but I love Conan so much. Um, it's awesome. But 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 one of my pastimes playing the game is to play around with parsing out his his real world references. So Conan is an Irish. Uh, the Turanians, uh, that word comes from Tehran. They're Iranian. The the Setites are e- Egyptian. They're they're all sort of one to one relations. So Kromkoach was uh, his his reference is directly from this this old um, Irish figure uh, who his nowadays when you read about Kromkoach they talk they talk about his holiday as being right around Halloween, um, but he was a solar deity. So Kromkoach's rebirth time would have been uh, in the spring. Um, and and he was he was ref, he's referred to um, as devil. Uh, Saint Patrick's uh, stomped out his his worship in Ireland, and uh, according to the Christians who came later, his cult was very much involved in human sacrifice. So once again, do do we trust that or don't we? I think it's probably overblown. Um, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Anybody that was pagan and other than Christian was seen as a savage, and of course they killed their own. Yeah, yeah. Although to be fair, Kroach means bloody, <laughs> so <laughs> bloody Krom might have wanted some blood. Yeah, and, well, I mean, the, more the, blood uh, for the, the blood original, god. <laughs> well, the original, the original uh, monotheistic view of Yahweh demanded blood sacrifice. So, I mean. Yeah, and, and it's, it's sacrifice of animals. So I mean, it really. Is. Yeah, and it's it's very common for um, literal sacrifice uh, during extreme times of extremity to to transition into symbolic sacrifice at a at a later point in time, and then if there's enough stress placed on a society, it might return to the bloodier sacrifice. But you know, one of the interesting things about May Day, I think, is it. It is a time of negotiation with the spirits that live in the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's a time when offerings are made. That's a, a lot of the practices surrounding um, May Day involve the, the leaving of offerings or the, the making of requests. You know, it's a very tense time, especially for agricultural peoples, uh, the spring, because are the rains going to come? Is the crop going to succeed? These is open questions that the survival of a community depends upon. So if there's any way to buy in and sometimes maybe killing somebody might 
be to payment if you've had a really tough time. Um, and as I say <laughs> later on, no, I'm just laughing. I remember there was this episode of South Park where they were they were all growing corn and they kept like sacrificing pop stars. They like sacrificed Britney Spears or something like that. And it was all like great crop this year. And then like they have some pop star that they would sacrifice in the episode. Um, I know it's a really obscure, strange reference, but I know there's people out there that get it right now. It was just a really yeah. bizarre episode. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think those sorts of things are either direct reference to or a sort of um, uh, sort of recollection of, you know, even if it's not a direct reference to. Because like Crom, Crom is the god of the corn, you know, and and that's, so that's exactly that's exactly it. It is sacrifices to the corn god, and. Um, you know, some some of the people. If you look, if you try to trace back um, the Green Man, uh, a lot of people will make reference to uh, Osiris as the one of the mm-hmm. earliest examples. Mm-hmm. And Osiris is also a corn god, and Osiris is also somebody who is tied up with life and death and resurrection and rebirth and all the, all these same sorts of themes that really commonly come along with human sacrifice. I, I think it's interesting too, you know, like Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Um, Cain is the, or, or Abel is the the um, the farmer, you know. It's a, and it's a very sort of farmerly thing to have a human sacrifice um, as part of your relationship with the gods. It's disturbing, so, actually. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, yeah. you imagine if your court, you know, your lower 40 wasn't growing, you're just going to grab some hobo off the street and well, bleed him you know, out. Yeah, you know, what was the Wicker Man? Was that, that was the movie, right? Oh. With the, the, the bad Nicholas Cage redo where they filled his face full of bees. bees. Yeah, yeah. And the, you got to watch the, the original Wicker Man. The that Nicholas Cage thing both, was an abomination. Both of these do, do a fair job. I think, the, I think the pub in uh, The Wicker Man is called The Green Man. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, you know, I think I think the the movie attempts to portray something that arose out of a, um, uh, I think it's a 1939 essay um, by Lady Raglan, mm-hmm. um, and she, this is this is a um, uh, the wife of a scholar and a soldier, uh, Fourth Baron Raglan, and she she wrote an article. <clears throat> published in a folklore journal where she basically picked up some ideas that um, Sir, Sir James Fraser had laid down in the Golden Bough and really ran with them. Um, and, you know, Fraser had suggested that there were these sorts of like Jungian uh, archetypes um, that you could find connections between all the various world cultures. And so, um, you know, you would have a god of fertility or a god of uh, 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 death and rebirth, and um, he would show how, look, Jesus is kind of this sort of god, and there are these solar gods who all of them, there's a period of death and a period of rebirth, and he he, he argued that these were based on natural phenomena. And his was, you know... It was accepted as a an important sociological text. He, that that was written in the late eighteen hundreds, um, and became an overwhelming influence on the early part of the nineteen hundreds. And, and so, Lady Raglan's article said, just takes it maybe a bit literally. 
and she says, like, look at all these, um, look at all these faces. She's the one who coined the term green man. She says, look at all these green men on the churches. Rosalind Chapel. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, these are depictions of literal celebrations that took place um, where people were dressed up and she said they sacrificed, they had sex, they sacrificed themselves and so forth. And, um, man, I'm hanging out at the wrong parties. (laughs) 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 It just seems like pagan, pagan is where it's at, man. You know, (laughs) nowadays. well, maybe (laughs) neo-pagans becoming a thing now and they they don't have the sacrifice anymore, but they still have all the drinking and the sex from what I'm told. Yeah, I don't know. Me and you know somebody. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but it just uh, well, you've also got mentioned in here in your notes where you bring up Bacchus and, uh, and Dionysus. Um, yeah, is also being god called. of wine. Yeah, and both of them are very commonly depicted as wreathed in leaves uh, or partially composed of leaves. And they're probably actually part of where these images ended up on churches in England. Um, but these these gods are from different cultures, though. So this is a phenomenon that has seemed to have spanned many cultures. It's you know it start it seems like it starts in one and then branches off to another one. I, I you know the the Roman Empire is tied to this as well, correct? Ab- absolutely. And you know okay. So first first of all, the veneration of trees is a- almost universal. Um, among primitive people. And it's, you know, if you've ever been around a really old tree, it's not hard to imagine why. Uh, mm-hmm. They're incredible symbols of um, vitality and life and natural strength. power, strength, longevity. Um, and and they, they can seem sort of human-like. They have arms that reach to the heavens. You know, they, they can sometimes appear to have faces, um, you know, there's this in, in, for the Irish people, the pagan Irish people, they believe that, um, the trees were created first. Um, and, and that, uh, I, I, this is, this is something many of the Africans believe too, that, uh, that w- basically they recognized our relationship to trees. They were, they, they, ex- they viewed them as a member of the extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of the older, wiser, um, branch of our family tree, if you will. I mean, it's embedded in our language, our, our connection. Well, that goes into the, the Norse as well. Like Lobo here just got me a, he got me a little medallion for my birthday, which is really freaking cool. But uh, I got it on right now. It's uh, like the the Nordic tree of life, which is really weird because when when he get this is I'm gonna go side branch for a second here because nobody knows about this. But um, Lobo sent me this medallion, and I'd also gotten a blanket, this Nordic blanket with the tree of life right in the middle of it, mm-hmm. like right around the same time. It was strange that I got this, but um, you see that tree of life all over the place as well. Um, their reverence to trees and stuff. Yeah, Yggdrasil. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, the world type. tree. <laughs> uh, yeah i i i find that one of the really appealing things about about paganism and, and and about primitive cultures is uh is that that respect and and people would sacrifice two trees you know odin um sacrifices himself on mm-hmm. on yggdrasil uh so that he can seven have seven days correct was it seven yeah. days 
Yeah. So, so, so that he could have knowledge of the dead, because as a god, he, he wasn't going to die. And in order for him to know all that there was to be known, he would have to experience death. Um, and so, like, a lot of Odin's stories about are about his um, willingness to sacrifice for knowledge. You know, he's he's Odin one eye because he, he volunteers one of his eyes so that he can eat the salmon of knowledge. Um, and so, yeah... Yeah, yeah, and and uh, Fraser made a lot of connections between these things and the crucifixion of Christ, which is another sort of self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Dead for three days. Uh, mm-hmm. Cut it in uh, half. <laughs> we'll give you the and, resurrection in half a time if you join our religion. <laughs> it's kind of like you know thirty-minute abs. Well, we'll do it in ten. <laughs> and I, I, I think the peel savior. <laughs> <laughs> I think the connection between trees and resurrection is pretty obvious too, because if you've ever had a tree in your yard that you wanted to get rid of and you, you cut it down, what you learn is that trees are really hard to kill. You really got to get mm-hmm. all those roots out of there. They, otherwise, just a short couple of weeks later, you're going to find new green shoots. Even if the tree seemed dead, seemed like it was dead for a decade, there might still be new shoots that come up. And so how, Powerful must that experience be for somebody who's afraid of death. Um, and, you know, giving up a member of your community to a tree um, might be a powerful ritual act. You know, they, you still see little pieces of this in Irish culture. On May Day, one of the practices is to go out and tie a, a cludie, uh to a tree. What's a cludie? Um, a clutie is um, a little piece of cloth or a rag. Um, sometimes people will leave a whole garment, which to me is very suge- suggestive of sacrifice, right? Um, you're, you're getting closer and closer to just leaving a person at this tree. But um, there are places, especially in Scotland, where you'll find trees that are just covered in bits of cloth. Um, and that's, a, that's the that's the clutie. And as far as the, the notion notion of a like a sort of a bacchanalian orgy um there's also a, a saying near cast a clue till maze ut you are far don't... too smart to be on our show good sir <laughs> 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 you're gonna need you're like in a 15 we're gonna need to just come down to like an eight for us okay now go ahead <laughs> that that's a that's a warning um uh, uh, to not take off your clothes until May, um, which might have to do with the fact that in in especially northern places they would sometimes sew themselves into their clothes for the winter, mm-hmm. um, kind of a gross practice. Um, but there's also I'm forgetting the you know it's something a, that you say that because I many many years ago I had had a debate with somebody I was sitting in a bar. Um, and there was a guy I was talking to somebody and there was another guy listening to us and we were talking to something similar about this. And he brought up the story, the thing about shoe trees, you know, where you'll see a, a tree and there'll just be all kinds of shoes that people have thrown up into the tree. Have you ever seen anything like that before? We've got a, a mm-hmm. couple of them around here and it's just this, you know, random phenomenon. These people just go up and throw shoes in a tree. And he says, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a primitive calling back to when people, now that you say it, I remember it, uh, where people would leave pieces of clothing on trees. And I was like, 
I've never heard of people throwing pieces of clothing into trees. He goes, well, you've seen shoe trees, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, it's the same thing. You know, he says, what, what draws people to throw a pair of shoes, tie the laces together and throw them up into a branch of a tree? The next thing you know, you got a whole, sh- a whole tree full of shoes. And I, I didn't quite get it then, you know, but it was a weird comparison to, to have a conversation about. I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> No, 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 absolutely, and you know, in some in some cultures, it gets even a little more morbid. Like the what one of the, it, sometimes instead of a scrap of cloth, you'll put a lock of hair, mm-hmm. um, which re- reminds me of like the the baobab tree in West Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seeds to some of those at my house. Yeah, fascinating mystical tree. Um, absolutely, the tree of life. Yeah, powerful, powerful to be in the presence of one and. One of the things that happens, the baobab stores uh, water. It's got a very sort of quirky, spongy core to it. Uh, and during times of drought, um, big hollows will open up in the in the tree. And then when it rains again, those hollows will close up. It'll it'll swell back up like a sponge. Uh, and one of the practices that is used to be common and still still does occur today is that there's a there's a particular class of person they're they're a, they're sort of magical in nature they're, they're history singers um that travel from town to town and they they will sing people's family histories and tell stories um they're yeah there's there's somewhere between a sort of wizard and a and a and a musician um and they occupy a very strange class in the hierarchy of West African culture. And uh, they will sometimes put the corpse of uh, one of these gil, one of these uh, griots who die, into the hollows of the baobab tree. And the, the tree will absorb the body mm-hmm. into it. And if you've ever opened an out baobab fruit, they, they produce these huge pods um, that have inside them a sort of white, powdery fruit which is a little citrusy it's very nice Mm -hmm. uh and all around that is red uh sort of curly fibers uh which is called the hair of the the griot um so it's it's got this sort of creepy power to it you know but the 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 person is the tree and the tree becomes a manifestation of the person as well sounds like avatar Uh, Yeah, there was only real. Yeah, exactly. There was because there was a scene in Avatar where that's when they when people died, they would put their bodies into the trees, and the trees would reabsorb them. And the whole movie was about how these trees were all interconnected in the tree of life, et cetera, and so on. Direct yeah. cultural references. How did I get laid when I was younger? My God, but anyways, <laughs> I have no idea how you're even married. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so um, to, to return for a second to um, not taking your clothes off until May, um, to, when I, when I think of that saying it, it calls to mind something that i hear sometimes people say jokingly um that i i think also is a sort of you know cultural memory of part of the part of the importance of may which is a uh, hooray hooray the first of may outdoor sex begins today there's a jonathan colton song in reference to that that mm-hmm. he records. Uh, it's called the fir- first of May or the first of spring or something. And somebody took a World of Warcraft 
video and they they changed they they changed it so it's like everybody's walking around with the nude the nude skins on or whatever and it's all these world mm-hmm. of warcraft creatures having sex and this elves just walking around and that song's playing in the background so there's all these you know animals screwing and stuff like that so yeah a, another obscure geek reference sorry folks mm. <laughs> but if you're a world of warcraft player you know that video you know that song <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of there's a you know uh, Freud um, who who also sort of plays with uh, Jung and and Fraser's notions would say that that death and sex are two very high closely related um, psychological or 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 symbolic um, notions to to humanity, and I think. You know, uh, whether or not we understand the first of May to have been a time of human sacrifice or a time, an orgiastic time, I think there's always there's always some element of that bound up in it. Just in the same way that Halloween is both a kind of time of gothic horror and terror and death, and also a time when people put on skimpy outfits and go out and try and try and get a little play. Yeah, that's, that's that's fine. That's I won't cool. argue that. No, nope. <laughs> we're all in good company here. So, since we've talked about the origins and what it was, what is it now? Because it's not. I mean, it's. I, I want to use the term. It's been Disneyfied. <laughs> it's, it's not by it, everyone. It's a much different thing. You've also got in here something about people being pelted with fruit or something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. So there, there are a bunch of different practices that have sprung up now. They're, they mostly come out of the 1800s and early 1900s, uh, and part of that has to do with the uh, the fact that uh, the the sort of increased uh, interest in science has, has led to a reduction in sort of Christian hegemony. Uh, so there's there's more stuff that's permissible in the, in the more modern age. Um, and it's also that in an increasingly industrialized world, people are more and more interested in sort of naturalistic um, or, or naturalistic roots and wanting to get in touch with that. So, um, and I, and then I think there's a part of it is the popularity of mysticism and and magic that that was such a big thing in the 1800s. So you have all sorts of neo pagan movements that wanted to resurrect that their idea of what the May celebration was. Um, and there's some debate about how, how right they got it. Um, but uh, the green man really became super popular in the 1800s and earlier celebrations definitely had milkmaids um, dressing with flowers in their hair. Like that, that's really well documented. Um, Chaucer talks about it and all these things. What's a milkmaid? And, uh, What's a milkmaid? It's a it's a young woman, um, usually unmarried, who's responsible for 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 milking the cows, which is a a particularly sensual practice. <laughs> and then fertility. Yeah, yeah, and they go skipping through town uh, with a pail of milk on their head and flowers in their hair, and the, the in the flower of youth, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the Christian ministers of the uh, 1700s and 1800s said that um, they would go running off into the woods with the young men uh, on Eve of May Day, and that uh, fully, fully a third of them uh, came back 
ravaged or whatever, despoiled. Okay. Uh, so, so there's a there's a definite concern about the the revelry um, and the hedonism of of the rites of May that that continue. Um, and and all night parties are definitely a huge part of what makes up the 1800s and 1900s celebrations. But you know, May Day actually the less pagan May Days did take place earlier than that. And actually Robin Hood used to be incredibly um, tightly associated with May Day. And in some ways, like like Lady Raglan suggested that he was also a green man, uh, since after all he does dress in green. Um, but uh, he's also a point of intersection where we see the sort of social dialogue of the red root of May Day start out, you know, later on May Day becomes International Workers' Rights Day because of um, the Chicago Haymarket um, riots and, 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 and killings, uh, which did take place around May 1st to May 4th. Um, but even earlier than that, like Robin Hood went from a sort of like common alias that people would use um, when they were committing crimes, you know, just like people have a street name when they're in a gang. Um, and sometimes more than one person will use the same street name because it's convenient not to be able to be pinned down as the, that guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Robin Hood was like sort of the go-to alias for highwaymen. Um, and during the uh, War of the Roses, and uh, later the hundred the hundred years war, um, the the ruling class in England got really unpopular. Uh, I mean, not that they were super popular before that, but you have to understand that most of them were French, um, <clears throat> and that was a big bone of contention for for the British working class. And so, more and more commonly, you would see people dressed up as Robin Hood in these May Day celebrations, uh, basically using the, the mask as an opportunity to sort of take the piss out of uh, <laughs> the, the wealthy. And, and this, the stories become more and more about how he robs from the rich and gives to the poor and all this stuff. Um, and these are touches of that when we get to the neo-pagan stuff in the 1800s because the, the first green men um, were almost entirely chimney sweeps. And I, I do wonder. I wonder if part of it was well, a kind of viral marketing campaign. <laughs> what exactly is the Green Man? What, that, like, from what I understand, this was just something that people worshipped to bless their crops and make sure that they had a good summer and stuff like that. And from what I understand, when Christianity came along, sure, people converted to Christianity, but they said, you know what, Christianity is great for our spiritual well-being in the afterlife, but the Green Man is responsible for our physical well-being. So, it's the spirit of the world. We're just the not woods. gonna, yeah. We're we're just not ready to quite give that up yet. And apparently, that was why you started seeing images of the green man and motifs and stuff like that in churches all over the world. That's the way it was explained to me. Now, was the green man an actual like suppose like a Sasquatch, a physical entity, or something like that, or was it more of a worshipped kind of deity kind of thing? Well, I'm I'm gonna say it's. I don't think it was quite either. Um. So so there were there were deities that were worshipped like Crom. Um who might have sometimes been depicted or, or thought to have been green. Um, but were they the green man? Uh, I, not quite. 
the the green man motifs that we see on churches come to the British Isles around um, the like the 13 and 1400s, and they they come around that time because that's that's when the French started ruling um, uh, uh, England. And they brought these motifs with them along with a whole style of architecture, the Romanesque style, this Gothic style that includes a lot of gargoyles and sort of grotesque imagery. And a lot of that stuff was calling back to earlier things. So if you had a picture of a saint and at the base of the picture of the saint is a leafy-faced man, that leafy-faced man might have been a representative of Bacchus. Right, because although that that's a pagan god, there were a lot of references to antiquity in uh, in in the artwork, and so this the saint is stepping on uh, the the drunken earthly um, pagan anti- antiquity, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of these foliate heads they're they're not just faces made up of leaves. So those are the ones that we see most commonly now. But it's sometimes people vomiting up. A whole bunch of leaves, you know, and it's a it's a lot less pleasant um, than this sort of sedate uh, green man that 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 we see now. And then those those images are then maybe slightly misinterpreted or reappropriated or however you put it by by Lady Raglan. And then with with her discussion of it, people were like, let's let's do some cool mayday parties and people decided to get on this gear um which maybe people did or didn't wear earlier i'll say in west africa i saw people wearing outfits that to me seemed very like the green man there's a particular um there's a particular figure called the conquerong who's uh uh, dressed in grass grasses Mm -hmm. uh, actually but it's still a sort of plant man is that the guy that you see the video of him dancing really fast out in the field or whatever? And they always make a meme out of it, like they throw techno music on it or something like it, or rap music. But it's always like this guy that's dressed in like a big, like a ghillie kind of suit or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, and and the, the way they dance is really trippy because it's built up of a bunch of different layers. And the really good dancers will spin those different layers in different directions while they leap and twist. Um, and it's, it's a really little cool frightening. And yeah. Yeah, well worth well worth looking for a video on that. See, I've um, always I've always felt that he was he came from the Celtic line, more you know, Cernaros or Cernanos. I don't know where you want to see. Uh, yeah, he's, I, you know, horned like uh, the Earl King. I, I usually say Cernanos, but I, I, who go. knows who knows how they would say. And I, I do think that he's super interesting. And I've often wondered whether they're actually elk or, or stag horns. Mm-hmm. Or if they're actually branches, true. Is he, is, is he a tree man or is he a deer man? And either way, he's a fascinating figure. The problem with Kernonos is that we only have two images of him, I think. Yeah. Extant, and so the how he was worshipped or what he meant or how important he was is sort of lost to us. Was that at, the Lord of the point. Feast that everybody ref- that you see reference to in old pagan legends, or am I thinking of something he, else? He could be. He could be the Lord of the Wild Hunt, uh, yeah, which, king. which is inextricably associated with May Day because May Day is also Walpurgisnacht. It's the mm-hmm. night of the the Walpurg. Um, the night of in the witches. Which, yeah. 
Yeah, and and traditionally the the Lord of the Wild Hunt, uh, this sort of stag-headed or or antlered man, rides his um you know his ghost caravan through the sky hunting humans. You know, it's weird because I've I've often heard that. Santa Claus is kind of a direct reference to that because the original colors of Santa Claus were green. He didn't turn red until the whole Coca-Cola thing came along, the red and white marketing campaign by Coca-Cola, and that's when Santa Claus turned to this red and white wearing guy. But before that, his colors were always, um, you know, green and white. And you've got the the parallels of Santa Claus flying around in his sleigh at night and, you know, the whole thing. I'd, I'd always heard of him referenced that that was a direct reference to, you know, what we're talking about. Yeah, and he leaves gifts under a tree, and he he turns up um, right around the time of the um, uh, winter solstice, mm-hmm. where where the you know he's he's definitely the most. I, I think the reason why he's red is for blood. Um, in in you know in in that in his aspect as the Lord of the Wild Hunt. His robes are red because they're soaked in the blood of his victims. See, I always mm-hmm. thought that was a Coca-Cola marketing thing. That was why they, the colors became the well, Santa Claus. Santa, color. yeah. yeah, for Santa. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm for, for Santa specifically. I'm nodding yeah, off in there. different directions here. I'm sorry. <laughs> if the Earl King was in charge of Coca-Cola, I would drink far more Coca-Cola than I do now. But 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 even so, there there are, there are goblins like like the the uh, red caps. On the mm-hmm. red cap goblins of various Nordic cultures, the, uh, the evil ones. The reason why their hat is red is because it's dipped in the blood of their victims. Um, so, I mean, there's always a. It, it, this has a lot to do with the, the Green Man. I think I think the Green Man is also Odin. You know, we're we're still talking about the same god of birth, death, and and cyclicalness. You know, they're all the same. They're aspects of the same God. Um, and whether or not each iteration is inten- intentionally drawing upon the symbols of that God, they, 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 whether or not they're intending to, they are. You know, so it, maybe it is Coca-Cola who chooses red because that happens to be their corporate color. But they, in, they can't escape the symbols of Odin. When they when they give us this bearded man, you know what I mean. They they can't escape the fact that that is a blood cloak, you know. Um, Which is ironic but, because when blood dries, it turns brown. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, yeah, Santa also very highly associated with trees, right? He puts the gifts under the tree. Um, so, like I said, I think I think we're look, we're talking about the same. Well, at a certain point, all of these legends, they, they bleed in and out of one another. They all kind of interweave with one another because of the richness and the history behind them. I've often wondered, like, in a thousand years, two thousand years, when people look back and culture is different, like all of the religions that we have now, how those are going to somehow merge into something new and something different or at one point They're or another. Well, there's going to be an apocalypse and some moron's going to find a DC comic of Superman and there's Jesus. Well, let's assume well, they that doesn't they wouldn't be too wrong, uh, though. <laughs> you know, they, they... <laughs> you, that's that's an incredible reference to make. Actually, gets his strength from the sun, a yellow sun. He was left yeah, on Earth know, and found by other people, the same way Moses was in a basket. There's a lot of parallels between Jesus and Superman and and, and Judaism there. And, and some would say that Jesus is just a, a sort of poor remembering of Mithras. You know, true, I, <laughs> true. I, I, so yeah, I've actually of course, been asked we'll... to leave someone's house for stating that. So <laughs> you're doing it well, right. 
and 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 this is something that people who want to think about this struggle with all the time. You know, um, James Fraser's uh, Golden Bough, which I think is an amazing book, even though, like I said, a, a, it's roundly discredited and loathed by the sort of uh, so, sociological community uh, because. It's an amazing read, and I don't think he's wrong about anything. I mean, he might not be a scientist. Uh, you know, it's it's not a it's not a science that he's proposing, but it is incredibly artistic, and there's a lot about it that rings true. And it, there are several editions of the Golden Bough, and in one of them, he had to cut out uh, a whole volume because of all the stuff that he was saying about Jesus that the Christians flipped out about, uh, and. So there's a good version. Get the three-volume set. If you're not reading the three-volume set, then you, you might be missing out on some of the yeah, most interesting Don't buy the greatest stuff. hits. Buy all of the Doors records. You have to have <laughs> Well, I mean, for Frazier, he touched a lot of, like, I don't want to say modern writers, but, I mean, he's spoken of in Lovecraft work. He's He can tell he touched uh, Howard. He touched mm-hmm. Block. I mean, it, mm-hmm. his, his writings were... Um, they were touchstones for some of our best uh, horror writers and and sci-fi writers, early fantasy writers. I mean, he he his thoughts were shared amongst these other um, intellectuals, and they didn't discredit what he said. I mean, there were some there were some writers later on that like had great issue with some of the things that he wrote that their forebearers thought were great. Like if you look back at um, Lovecraft touched on, on him in a couple of different stories. Uh, one of them was the Dunwich horror. He spoke about it. And I know that the guy who took over for Lovecraft after Lovecraft died, who kept his work going. And the only Augusta? reason why we have, um, any talking about Durath, right? Augusta Durath? Or am I saying it right? Derelict. Yeah, yeah that's okay. I, I always get the name. August was, Derelict. Yeah, yeah August Derelict. He was yes. very, very Christian based. Very. Uh, he he wanted to make sure that anything that would have shown any of the writings by any of his forebears as you know not shining really greatly on religion to be removed later on. The book, the, the works were repaired because of people like Yoshi who were able to do it, but. He had a big um, influence on a lot of different people and, and not just – I mean, we're still feeling ripple effects now from that from that gathering of information from Frazier or his, his thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I've, I've heard people talking about um, the Alien movies, especially uh, like mm-hmm. Alien Covenant, any of the ancient Aliens stuff. There's a, there's a lot of like uh, – there's a lot of uh, alternative attempts to reconcile why it is we'll see similar themes appear all over in, in different cultures. And um, I think, I think okay, so returning a little bit to contemporary May Day celebrations, I feel about them much the same way that I feel about Fraser's work, which is that it might not be literal truth, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it, it, there is a kind of spiritual truth in what is being said. So it doesn't bother me whether or not Fraser got it literally right, whether it's, it's literally the case that these notions spring up independently or whether it's a misinterpretation. Um, there's a, 
there are, there are themes that resonate with, with humanity. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, the idea of a spring celebration having to do with fertility and with death, it just it, it appeals to humanity, the worship of trees, the, the temporary embodiment of, of like, to, to be this, uh, this eternal tree man. It's, um, <clears throat> it's seductive. And when, when I was in Oxfordshire um, on the night before May 1st, everybody goes out to raves in the fields and the outskirts of Oxford. Um, and there's a lot of drug consumption, doubtless a lot of sex. I, I was not hip enough to be a part of, uh, any, any <laughs> Maybe of that scene. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm happily married now. So probably not. I'm, I'm also hey, a bit uptight, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but in, in any We're event, here for it, you in this time of need, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. The moral support. At the at the at the end of uh, the the night's revels, there's a sort of procession that takes place, and, and like most May Day processions, it's an informal proces- procession. Nobody designates a parade route, but people stream back into the city um, to the to the one of the older um, colleges where uh, morning sort of lauds are sung from up on top of a tower. And although it, I was just reading that in the years since I was there, um, they, they have been trying to discourage this practice because the river is quite shallow uh, and some people have been injured. But but, but people will jump off of the bridge uh, that crosses uh, the River Thames there, which at that point in the River Thames, they call it the Isis, which is a partic- particularly powerful, magical name. Um, you know, and, and so they'll they'll. Often pairs of of like couples, men and women, will jump off fully clothed into the river, um, which is itself a sort of death and rebirth. You know, it's a it's like a baptism, right? Uh, it's a, a ceremonial rebirthing on the on the morning, which suggests a ceremonial death of sorts. Um, yeah, it's the washing away of your former self. Yeah, yeah, and then everybody goes and has a beer and a big breakfast at the pub. There you go. Yeah, bangers so, and mash. <laughs> yeah, and then hangovers uh, ensue. <laughs> a near perfect pagan celebration. All set. Sure. Techno, techno music <laughs> to, to bangers and mash. There you go. <laughs> well, it says love like EDM. Oh boy. We've had Jan here for about an hour, but I, I did want you. You said you want to talk about a zine that you've got going now. You've got a magazine or something like that along those lines. And I was like, yeah, sure. You're coming on the show. I'll let you talk about it. So, what are you doing these days? I know uh, you mentioned you did a comic book. You sent me this little, this cool little D and D comic of some kind um, from your gaming group that you actually put down into like a comic book forum, which was pretty funny and amusing. Because um, I, for a minute, had a gaming group back together again, which has since disintegrated into a ball of flame, as always. But anyhow, go ahead. We'll play with no. <laughs> yeah, so th- we. Uh, I, I'm really fortunate to play Dungeons and Dragons with uh, oh, my my brothers um, and. Also some, One question, some, 4.0, yes. 5.0, or what version are you playing? If you say 4.0, I will end this interview. <laughs> well, hopefully, hope, I guess we're close to the end, so I can risk it. 3.5 is okay, Pathfinder. Okay, that's good. That's acceptable. That okay. is acceptable. <laughs> All right. Because that became Pathfinder. So anyways, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, well so now that we, you have his blessing. Yes, you may continue. <laughs> I'll allow it. Okay. <laughs> 
so so I'm, I'm I'm fortunate to play with a, a comics professional, Becky Cloonan, who's done Batman and Punisher and a whole bunch of other uh, amazing titles, um, as well as uh, Bob Wallace, who's a who's a great uh, comedian. Man, um, listen to uh, you name dropping here, man! Wow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All the cool people. I'm trying to give credit where credit's due as well, because these these folks also put in a lot of work on this book. Um, and so Dave Caswell, and Michael, and Stephen Conrad, and Steve is our DM, and we have a book that's sort of a testament to our love of the game generally, and our game in particular. And the book's title is Adventures of the Moss Babies, which uh, kind of green manish. Mm. Uh, Heroes of Sandpoint, a heartbreaking work of staggering paranoia, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the goblins. So uh, <laughs> nice. Couldn't have made it a real short title, could you? <laughs> Here's my new book. We, it's a paragraph. <laughs> nah, we, go ahead. I'm just giving you jazz. We we had a pitch session where we were trying to come up with a title, and my contribution to that pitch session is let's use all the pitches. All and, of them. Uh, Use yeah. all the things. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And as as a book, uh, you know, it is it is a zine, so it's a s- small sized uh, sort of comic. Um, it it is uh, it has that same aesthetic throughout. It's just packed. It's got like forty plus pages of all sorts of weird. I, I I will happily get you a copy out. And uh, if any of your listeners are interested, they can buy uh, physical copies at flatfileatx.com or digital copies at comicsology.com uh, or nice. they can try to catch uh, Becky uh, she she's often at various uh, comics conventions so you can try and get a signed copy from her and your podcast is back up and running again did you say I have a podcast that I'm doing weekly which is five cases in five minutes for fine law Thompson Writers Company and uh, that is a five-minute-long weekly podcast. Listen to it; it's good. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's such weird, especially these days. There's such weird stuff happening in the law. So um, there's there's that, and I'm, I'm probably going to start recording Red Lodge again, which is a sort of bizarre uh, experiment. It was a there was a book review podcast for a while, then it was a sound collage podcast. Yeah, that went all over the place. That was kind of like. Listening to a Clockwork Orange and podcast form in some way, shape, or form. That was a weird show. I'm not going to lie to you. That was a real, like, depending on when you listen to it, you didn't know what the hell you were getting at any time. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to come back with something as different and as unexpected, but that, that's, that, that can be challenging. So, but uh, keep, keep your ears open for that. There, there will be, there will be stuff soon. Well, good, sir. Um, we're going to let you go. Thanks for coming on here, and you you always blow me away with the amount of information you got. Because every time you come on the show, I'm always pre-show. I'm like, are we going to have enough stuff to cover an hour's always. worth of topic? Hey, come on. <laughs> and, a brain. And we always manage to go into really different, odd and strange directions. And I always walk away learning something new. And, and something like when we did the werewolf show, we went into different directions with that. So every time that you're on here, I... I just kind of need to sit back and shut my mouth and let's see where things are going to go. And they, they always go into different entertaining areas, you know, vast areas of new knowledge and things like that that most shows don't cover. So it's a blast having you here. And I can say, again, that you do have a following here. There are people out there that really love you coming on here and talking to us. So, you know, you got that going for you. <laughs> well, I, I think you both and I think your listeners. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, we'll be bugging you again sometime the road to come on again, man. Thanks a lot, Winston. Thank you.
Thanks, brother. Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. As I like to say at the end of every episode, the person's name, that was Winston Conrad. Who, um, that dude is... Winston Conrad. Who? We we're, did a show? Yeah, we were playing Woods. Oh, yeah, that's because we spent the last 20 minutes trying to figure out the hell what was wrong with your computer. <sighs> so, <clears throat> yeah, we got done recording the interview, and then we tried to hook back up, and then I couldn't hear Lobo, and Lobo couldn't hear me, and then we had to go and do epic battle with his computer, because yeah. everything has been an epic battle lately. Epic battle with his computer. It got rebooted. We're back. And now, for the sake of argument, we are now continuing on with the recording of our show. <sighs> so. Talk for fuck it. Anyways. Yeah, we're, we're getting phone calls into the show slowly but surely. We've got a few for the episode 300. Um, I, I've, I'm accumulating them. I'm piling together. And guess who called? Guess who called us back again? Mm. The wonderful woman over in the UK who's basically our audio dominatrix. You remember her? <laughs> I do. It's awesome. <laughs> she is fantastic. Like, I heard her message come through and I saw the number. I was like, yes, I'm all jumping up and down in the office. My like, wife's like, what the hell is your problem? I'm like, she called. It's her. It's her. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the chick who like beats up on us over in the UK. I was so happy. So great. She that, loves us. Yeah, she is. I'm, I'm just glad that like. It was cool that we put the call out there and she heard it and then she called. She was like, yes, I still listen to your show, you know, and her like, like English voice or what have you. Um, the woman is offended proof. I swear. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Tyler called and we got a few other people that called and wait, um, Tyler called. Yeah. Tyler huh. called Coke. John called a while ago. Doesn't he always call when we tell him to call? Well, you know, it's good to just hear from him every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, tell you know? me about it. But what's it. really cool, again, he's another guy that's still out there, that he still listens to the show, mm. you know? And, um, you know, cool. it's, it's it's just really cool. But, um, yeah, so keep the calls coming in. I'm sure right before this, I ran the ad with our number on it. I really need to change that because a lot of that stuff's out of date now. Mm. Um, Phone so, number still works. Yeah, it does. And it's like... It was weird because, like, the last episode, the last time we hit the two hundred uh, episode two hundred, we had all kinds of calls. It was like, oh wow, this is really this is really touching and cool. But um, and then they said, "Fuck it, we don't want you anymore." Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's it, it, okay. You know, it's the fine. fact that we're still here is you know because we're going on what eight and a half years now. You know. Yeah. And it's like I I just got used to saying eight years, and then it keeps stretching on and on and on because I had no idea that we would actually make it this far. So I I have I'm been just getting as shocked um, as you are. messages from people that um, are going to call in uh, singing or talking about their favorite parts of the show. I'm still waiting for those phone calls to arrive. Cool. Um, but yeah, How's that's Facebook it. So doing? Facebook misses you. Um, no, they don't. Yeah, the, I think the group does. The family misses you, like the the people on the page. But I got to be honest, I I was actually pissed that you left because I was getting ready to leave. I'm like, I need uh-huh. a break. But now I can't because someone's got to be there to keep the kids from jumping Lisa's in the bed. Yeah, but yeah, she is. But I don't want to throw the whole responsibility onto her, you know. And the other thing is, like, 
it, I've been so me and you have both been really busy lately a lot with just life in general. And um, as for me, life has kind of like came along and smacked me upside the head in various different ways. And I've been busy and things have been going on. So a few weeks ago, I um, I was going through this really weird, like bipolar kind of thing. And I wasn't sleeping properly. And I it really started freaking me out. I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, and again, I was like, oh, I want to leave Facebook. I, I just kind of like wanted to like just vanish. Well, I generally want to mm. do that most of the time anyways. But. So I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I talked to a friend of ours, and they're like, well, you're probably not bipolar or whatever, because bipolar usually is a lifelong thing and blah, blah. So I go to the doctor. Later teens, early 20s. Yeah. well past that. So I go to the doctor, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Things, I'm I'm just like, I'm... Weird stuff's happening. I'm getting really freaked out, and I'm just... Things are kind of just going nuts right now. So he talked to me a little bit, and uh, he's like, yeah, you have non-24 sleep, wake, something. And I'm like... It was like a, it was like a commercial you see on TV where the doctor says, "Bob, you've got testicular." It ran for a while as a commercial. Yeah, it was. You got testicular, manicular, bipolar, appendicular. Really, You're what's gonna that? Suffer from sausage fingers. Yes, exactly. So uh, I'm like, well, what, what the hell? And he's like, your sleep wake schedule is is way the hell off. So your body isn't producing the chemicals necessary to sleep properly, what have you. So I'm like, well, I sleep. He goes, yeah, but for how long? You sleep for a couple hours, you wake up, you go to you go to sleep at weird times, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, your brain is driving you crazy right now because you're not sleeping properly. So Story um, of my life since I was a little kid. Apparently, uh, blind people get this really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, sightless people have a hard time with it. Um, people that are sighted get it, but it's much easier to treat. So they put me on this melatonin re- regime, um, and it's helped. I still, um, I still wake up. It's like my body's programmed to wake up at odd certain times for whatever reason. But um, it's absolutely much better now. I am getting more regular sleep, I guess you would say. But Overrated. the other problem, he said, is that um, even though you're going to sleep, your brain is not shutting down. So you're kind of half asleep, and your brain's <clears throat> kind of half awake. It's not... Your brain needs time to process in your sleep, which brought me way, way back to the days of yore when we first started when I was doing the dream experimentation with different foods and trying to do lucid dreaming. And, you know, I, I was waking up, you know, laughing my ass off, whereas most people wake up from nightmares. I was having laugh mirrors, I guess. I don't know. But mm. uh, it brought me back to that. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I remember I remember those days of, of messing with your your brain's chemical makeup and for the for the sake of sleep and how weird it gets and what have you. So, yeah, that that happened. That's what that's what's been wrong with Rogan and uh, trying to get on the motorcycle. And we got cement coming in here to be reported soon and uh, junk going on, like different stuff going on in the family, not bad stuff. And friends have been getting married. And it's just been chaotic. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, my God. And then. Next week, I'm not going to be here because my oldest daughter's like, we're going to throw a party, Dad. I'm like, all right, we'll throw. I'm like, wait a minute. I can't do a party with you guys outside, you know, a fire and junk. And she's like, no, all my friends like you. You need to be outside partying with us. I'm like, all right, well, you know, when your oldest daughter says, Dad, come out and party with me and my friends, you kind of have to. Well, in your situation, it won't be as easy. Nope. (laughs) No, I don't. But for me, I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we not will not going to come out of retirement that easily. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nobody wants that. Well, you'd still go out and hang out with your kids and stuff, though. You know. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'll be a designated driver, but I'm not coming out of retirement. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's what's been going on. And then uh, you have, um, you've got stuff coming up. Don't want to talk about it. We don't know when that's going to happen or whatever. That actually might affect me coming out this year. I don't, oh, I don't. I'm sh- it's it's definitely going to. There, okay. That's not even a question at this point. Should I put that because up on I the back burner for one more year? Because- I would suggest 
Yeah, because okay. we're not. Yeah, I don't. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's fine because there are there are plans down the road for some kind of a Salem meetup. Me, uh, me, and a mutual friend um, have been discussing maybe doing something you know further on down, like not this year but next year. Um, just saying, you know what, we're we're going to be in Salem. Me and you're going to be Salem, and the other person's going to be in Salem. Uh, that's the plan. And then say we're going to be here at this time at the at the. I statue. can get out and do things. I am like day a day trip, but. Uh, yeah. Well, the Salem is a day trip for you, isn't it? a lot of stuff. Yeah, Think, yeah. It's, like, it's what, two hours hour, away. Two hour, yeah, we could do Salem. And I was always hoping that Paramania would go there, but Benal's been like, like, no. No, it's not going to happen because Tim lives in Boston, so he's for damn sure he's going to want to go there. So I got to thinking about it. I'm like, well, there's a lot of people out there, and if we really plan this out, and if nobody shows up, fine, nobody shows up. It'll just be the three of us, and we'll walk around and see cool stuff, And you know, because I've always wanted to go back again. Um Oh wow! It's showing poor connection. We might. Oh, oh that's, that's new. That's a new feature of Skype. Dear user, our connection is about to fall apart. Are you still there? Yeah, you're still here. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm still. I'm not going anywhere. Well, a little thing popped up on Skype saying "poor connection," which is not Microsoft's way of saying "Hey, you suck, and we're going to ruin your show." So yeah, that Great. seems to be what is going on in the works, and I'm trying really hard to get another motorcycle, and I think I finally nailed that down today. But we're going to see what happens. Um. Yeah. Have fish tank. <laughs> yes, you do. How many are you up to now? How many fishes you have? A lot. Define a lot. Well, I just bought another tank two days ago. How many tanks do you have? Let's start with that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, my God. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Are you going to start charging in mission for your basement? No. These are just for me. <laughs> Are they small tanks? Or the further and further size? I fall into depression, the more tanks I'll have. You're falling into depression, so you get fish tanks. They make me happy. Okay, okay, that's that's good. Some some people murder people. Some people eat food. Some people go out and get cigarettes. I didn't and coffee say I wasn't Asian murdering markets. people. Let's get one thing clear. I didn't say I wasn't killling people. <laughs> I just said that tanks make me happy. Yeah, we're done. Um, so yeah, no new show next week. Uh, I think after that we should be able to do ninety nine and three hundred. And Yay. you know the three hundred guest. Yeah, he's already don't, confirmed. Everything's good. Still, don't say anything. It's good. I'm like, I want the best of what you got. And they're like, yeah, that's not a problem. We've got this. So Kind of excited about it. Yeah, I kind of am too. I just not wanna, the 300, just talking to them again. I want to hear if people do legitimately call in with their favorite moments from the show. I, I, I know at least three people that said they want to call in and reenact their favorite moments from the show. Oh, why? So I don't know. So okay. if they do, we'll see. So yeah, start calling people. Let's, let's hear some messages. I am curious to hear what people like, how many, how many old school people out there that have listened? Cause we know we got them, uh, you know, mm -hmm. like what they're of all these years. We what got a bunch of memorable show. What, what was the most memorable show over the last eight and a half going on nine years that sticks out the most? And It doesn't have to be funny. It can be whatever. But what's the show that sticks out the most? First oh. person to bring up Joey Lawrence, I'm out. You know who you are, Aaron. <laughs> so anyway, A-A-Rod, E-R-I-N. Yeah, so let's wrap this up because uh, I'm going to be editing because we had to use a different program tonight. And it recorded everything in one channel and the other thing in the other channel. Yay. But it doesn't appear to have any skips or anything in it. I don't know how the audio quality is going to be. But, Probably um, tech. I don't Fine. know. It couldn't be any worse than the last two episodes that we had to do that I had to deal with on my own, with horrendous skips and gaps and things like that. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we're it's good. Fine. We're good. We're fine. moving on. We're good. Let me take my pill and move on. So that's it, and we will see everybody in two weeks. 
Well, mm. yeah, two weeks. Yeah, not next Saturday, roughly, but the following yeah. Saturday. What's that? Roughly, yeah, two weeks. And um, we'll uh, we'll get up to this three hundred thing uh, and get that out of the way. And who knows what happened after that? We'll see. I don't know. The mystery is out there. Something about a shoggoth, I think. A shoggoth. The crawling chaos. Nyer Lethertep? Maybe. I don't know. The unpronounceable word. I All don't right. know. This is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. Slobo from Connecticut. Love you, Wolftress. Don't give up. Mm, waffles. Leave it. Waffles. What the fuck? Waffles. Waffles, waffles suck. <sighs> waffles. <laughs> Peace out, folks. Woblard. Yeah.